Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church. And today's Word for the Day is found in Exodus 20, uh, verses 4 through 6. Here's what it says. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, there's a lot here, but this is the second commandment, and it's still, just like the first commandment, a a God-focused commandment. And here it's going beyond the principle of God being our only God and talking about the principle of not making images to represent God. And so this operates at two levels. One is, um, it's a command to not take anything that's created and make it a god and carve an image and worship it, which is what all the nations that surrounded Israel did. And actually, there are many places on the earth where that still happens to this day. But it's also a prohibition to create an image of Yahweh, our God himself. Now, this doesn't mean that the language can make it sound like no images of anything at all. But that's not correct because when God gave commands to build the temple, um, there were images of, of animals and trees that, that, that kind of decorated the temple and created this, this picture of a garden in which God dwelled that, that meant, was meant to sort of be an echo of the Garden of Eden. So it's not a prohibition of art or images. Um, one of the debates in Christianity is to what degree can you use images in the life of the church, and there's been debates about that, but I'm an Anglican Christian, and our view is um, kind of in the middle, like on so many things, that to use images like in stained glass, or to maybe um, appropriate iconography, which is really an Eastern Christian tradition, or statues, these are not inherently bad things, but they're not things that we pray to, or bow to, or, or give homage to, like um, sometimes happens in the Eastern Orthodox or Catholic tradition. Um, some Protestant traditions just don't want any images at all. But we, like the Lutheran tradition, in our Protestant tradition, have said, no, there, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. We're not worshiping those images. They, they, have an, they have an educational value to us, and they help us remember who God is and who we're worshiping. Um, then, of course, you know, Jesus himself is God incarnate. He's called the icon of God in passages in the New Testament. And so representations of him certainly are not the same as trying to take the fullness of who God is and put him into something physical. Okay, back to the commandment. So God says, don't make them and don't bow down to them and don't serve them. And there's this interesting language about him being a jealous God. And so... When, when people fall into sin, that iniquity visits households to the third and fourth generation. But for people who follow God, his blessing goes to thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments. This language about third and fourth generation, there's two ways to read it. Um, I think the, the common way we tend to read it is that it's this multi-generational thing that kind of plays out through time. But in that world, households were multi-generational. There could have been three or four households in a typical house, or three or four generations in a typical household. 
And I think it's more the principle that, hey, when you begin to follow uh, other gods and go down the wrong path, if you're in a household, it doesn't just affect you, it affects your family and the people that live around you. You need to guard against that. And, and God will allow that to happen. He'll allow that if we choose that. He gives us the freedom to, to do that, but it doesn't just affect us. But if we'll follow him, the blessing he brings us will accrue to thousands. And so it's a great sort of contrast of how God is, is, a, is a God who's holy and there will be accountability, but his heart desires to bring blessing that's much, much greater than, than the consequences of our sin. But back to the core idea in this commandment. Remember, commandment one is, you shall have no other gods before me. This commandment is, don't make an idol. That's kind of a simple way to put it. No idolatry. And so one last point is in Exodus 32, Israel is really anxious because Moses has been gone a long time and he hasn't told them what God wants to do with them. And and so they're, they're just, they're just, don't know what to do, so they they pressure um, Moses's brother Aaron to make a god for them, and he fashions a golden calf, <clears throat> and he's presents them to them. Then he says, "Let's tomorrow have a festival to this god," <clears throat> and he names the god Yahweh. So what's interesting in that 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 um, um, story of the golden calf is that. It's not that Israel started worshiping other gods. They're still worshiping Yahweh, but they made an idol so they could put Yahweh in a box and have a controlled Yahweh that they could manage and they could lean into so they could feel secure because they knew what was going on and it moved them to idolatry. And um, there's such a deep lesson there about how so often I think the anxiety of life um, that's real and, and, and is a challenge to live with, can sometimes drive us to not trust God and put our trust in other gods and in gods we can see because they make us feel secure in the moment. But they actually drive us away from the one true God and, and drive us away from our relationship that's given to us freely through the work of Jesus Christ. Well, that's commandment number two. I hope that's helpful. God bless and have a great day.